Professional sports are typically viewed as battles of strength and sheer athleticism. But when you're on a worldwide stage and everything's on the line, sometimes the people pulling the strings behind the scenes might consider an alternative. Playing mind games. I'm Quinn Lovecraft, and this is 31, a podcast about why we do what we do to succeed and where we draw the line. The 1998 FIFA World Cup was supposed to be a clash of the titans. You had France, led by 26-year-old attacking midfielder Zidane, and Brazil, led by 21-year-old striker Ronaldo, whose nickname was The Phenomenon. Zidane and Ronaldo had both won the FIFA Player of the Year award, Ronaldo twice, and Brazil had won the previous World Cup in 1994. This was going to be France's first appearance in the World Cup ever, but they were coming in red hot. Everyone was sure this game was going to be one for the ages. Then July 12th, 1998 rolls around, the day of the World Cup, which is taking place just outside of Paris. The first time that people outside of the team start to realize that they were not in for a standard game was when the match commentators received the team sheets, the list of all the players in that day's starting lineup, and Ronaldo was missing. They were stunned. Imagine like Tom Brady at the height of his career just not showing up to play with the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And then you're about to announce for this game, but you have no idea why he's not there. So you certainly can't explain to your audience why the hottest player on the team just is suddenly missing. The announcers are confused for about half an hour before they get a revised sheet that lists Ronaldo in the lineup. Okay, all good, right? Well, not exactly. The Brazilian team wasn't on the field warming up, so clearly the team sheet wasn't just a typo. There was something going on behind the scenes. And when the Brazilian team emerges, Ronaldo comes out and plays, but he doesn't seem like himself. Nor does the whole team, whose adjusted lineup leaves the defense vulnerable. Brazil loses to France. 3-0. It was clear that there was more to this story. So much so that the Brazilian government even got involved at one point, asking, Ronaldo, what happened? And the world wanted to know too, what had changed? What would make someone make a drastic decision to not play in the World Cup, only to walk it back half an hour later? One theory that immediately started buzzing around was that Brazil was trying to throw France off and gain both a strategic and psychological advantage. From a strategic point of view, if Brazil took their superstar out of their lineup, it might make France completely rethink their lineup. They would approach the field with a different game plan, maybe even different players, and then wham, in comes Ronaldo. This idea feels pretty drastic, but it's maybe not as crazy as you'd think. We can look at American football for some examples. I mean, pretty much every week during the NFL season, you can find widely accepted mind games being played. And I was going to say that the stakes are low, but sometimes three points can make a difference between a win and a loss, between a championship and turning an eye to next year's draft class. I'm specifically thinking about icing the kicker. This is a very common practice of calling a timeout right as the opposing kicker is about to kick a three-point field goal. You can see the kicker taking a breath, ready for his moment, winding up, and then whistle. It can get him in his head. Icing the kicker doesn't always make the kicker miss, but it's an effective enough strategy that teams will frequently burn a timeout on the off chance of freaking the kicker out into a miss. Next Football Sunday, watch for it. I bet it will happen. 
Sticking with American football, but on a slightly more analogous level to the FIFA World Cup, Super Bowl 47 ended up mired in conspiracy theories when the stadium experienced a blackout in the third quarter. Super Bowl 47 was also supposed to be a clash of titans in a way. Um, it was actually brother versus brother on the coaching side. You had John Harbaugh coaching for the Baltimore Ravens and Jim Harbaugh coaching for the San Francisco 49ers. But by the third quarter, the Baltimore Ravens had started to run away with it. The score was 27-3 Ravens after a massive kickoff return for a touchdown by Jacoby Jones. He ran 108 yards from one end zone to the other, all in one go, and the Ravens seemed unstoppable. There was plenty of time still for the 49ers to make up those points, but after that, the Ravens had one intangible advantage, momentum. When a team's chemistry is really working, a few drives that end in points lead to more drives that end in points, and it can be hard to stop that avalanche. So the conspiracy theory was, someone higher up basically pulled the plug on the whole stadium to kill the Ravens' momentum and give viewers a game to stay glued to, which of course then makes advertisers happier. And if this were true, it almost worked. The 49ers did make a real go of it. The Ravens won in the end, but it was to the tune of a much more competitive score. 34 to 31. Now, the blackout theory is not remotely true. It was actually caused by stadium equipment that had been upgraded. And then from what I can understand, basically the equipment shut the power down because it thought there was this power surge that it couldn't handle, but really the stadium could handle the power. I do love though that the 49ers CEO, Jed York, had a sense of humor about it. He tweeted, there is no conspiracy. I pulled the plug. Also, Beyonce had just performed the halftime show, so a lot of people like to say that the stadium just could not handle her powerful aura. The situation with Ronaldo also reminded me of the wild tale of Cal Ripken Jr. and the Camden Yards blackout. Anyone who uses Duolingo, not sponsored, but open to it, knows how much a streak means. And Baseball Hall of Famer Cal Ripken Jr. had a 2,632 consecutive game streak going in 1997. Supposedly, Cal Ripken Jr. was late to a game because he was beating up Kevin Costner for sleeping with his wife. To preserve Cal's streak, someone turned off the lights in Camden Yards, which delayed the game until Cal could arrive. There is so much to unpack there, and I won't go into too much detail because there's a podcast called The Rumor that actually does an amazing deep dive. I highly recommend you check it out. So going to 1998 again, it's not unreasonable that people would think that Brazil would try to play mind games with France. Another prominent rumor was that Brazil had thrown the game to France in exchange for getting to host a World Cup down the line or something. I don't want to waste a lot of breath on this theory because honestly, it's just kind of insulting. If you watch any interview with Ronaldo or other Brazilian players, you can tell that playing soccer, or to them football, comes with a lot of pride. Playing the game is a matter of honor, which is something we should keep in mind as we explore what really happened. But it's also why I don't want to say, oh yeah, Brazil just threw this game. I mean, going back to American football for a second, yes, you do frequently hear rumors of bad teams playing worse so that they get a higher draft pick come next year. But again, this is the World Cup. A team's not going to like throw the Super Bowl. I just have a hard time squaring the circle when it comes to throwing a World Cup game. I do not think that that was part of it. There is also another theory that everyone else was okay with throwing the game except for Ronaldo, so that's why he was removed from the lineup. But then Nike, who was a sponsor of his, said, oh, you better play or else, so they pressured him into playing. So what really happened with Ronaldo? 
Well, here's what we know. The World Cup was being played in the evening. Earlier in the day, just after lunch, Ronaldo went back to his hotel room to take a little nap and just hang out with his roommate, Roberto Carlos. Ronaldo had just fallen asleep when he started to convulse. Some say he was hitting himself, foaming at the mouth. Carlos got medical attention. The doctor came in and then Ronaldo went to the hospital for three hours of tests. The team dinner that night was quiet. They were all so scared for their teammate. But then Ronaldo returned because the tests were inconclusive. So he said, if there is no medical reason why I shouldn't play, and I feel fine because, hey, he didn't remember convulsing. As far as he remembered, he took a nap. Well, he said, put me in. I want to play in the World Cup. Years later, when Ronaldo was up for the 2002 World Cup, he revealed how traumatic this actually ended up being for him. In fact, the night before the 2002 World Cup, he was really worried that if he fell asleep, he would start to convulse again. So his teammate, goalkeeper Dita, stayed up with him, and they talked, and they played some golf, and it really calmed Ronaldo down. He fell asleep, he was fine, and they actually ended up winning. In fact, Ronaldo won his third Player of the Year award. Some people say that in 1998, after Ronaldo returned from the hospital, he wasn't going to play, but then Nike pressured him into it. People say they're powerful, there's a lot of money on the line. My first reaction to that is, I mean, have you ever tried to tell a 21-year-old man who's on top of the world that he can't do something? If the test said that Ronaldo was fine, he probably would say, yeah, no, I'm fine, I'm gonna do this. But my second thought is, you know, some of the conspiracies revolve around this, this shadowy figure from Nike whispering in the ears of the coach and the team owner making Ronaldo play. But I really think that if there is any truth to this pressure, Nike didn't have to do anything here. According to a Brazilian paper, Ronaldo was feeling the pressure way before his seizure. Some say his behavior was almost erratic in the week leading up to the World Cup. They said he was crying, he slammed a bike against the wall, he was having a lot of self-doubt. When you're 21, in the grand scheme of things, you're just a kid. And that much stress that much pressure could definitely result in something physical, like a seizure. It kind of makes me wonder if losing the World Cup provided a tiniest bit of relief. Afterwards, Ronaldo didn't have to pretend to be godlike anymore. He could just be Ronaldo. The phenomenon. Fallible, like all of us, but a phenomenon nonetheless. I don't want to forget the human side of sports conspiracy theories, but they are so much fun to entertain. Have you ever been told by someone, it's just a game, why does it matter, it's just a game? Well, if you hear that again, think about these stories. Think about Ronaldo. It's not just a game. The stakes are so high. But like I said, when the stakes are that high, you start to find out what people are really capable of. Thank you for listening to 31. I'll be back tomorrow with a really different kind of story. I also do have an official Instagram for the podcast. It's at 31pod31. That's at 31pod31. So go check that out. Give us a follow on Instagram and your favorite podcasting platform so that you too can spend October with 31 days of true unsettling stories from our complicated world. See you tomorrow.